welcome to Making Sense of Money, a financial education podcast designed to make complex financial topics easier to understand. I'm Andrew Pellegrini. And I'm Nikki Jankula-Shanks. Last episode, we spoke with Kamaya Wallace-Bouchard from University of Illinois Extension about access to credit, the protections that consumers have, and the obstacles that discrimination in the credit industry can bring to getting financial tools we all need to navigate our financial lives. This week, we're going to step into a very specific, practical aspect of credit, comparing credit cards. So Nikki, do you remember when the last time it was that you had to get a new credit card, kind of what your process was to finding the right one for you? So I do. It was when I married Steve in 2019, you know, because then we combined banking accounts and, and opened up a new charge account for both of us. I was already a happy customer at my current bank. So we just decided to open one, our accounts, including our credit card with that, that particular bank. Plus it's like a half a block away from us. So that was also something that was a factor in case we needed to, to run to the bank for anything. It's close by. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, a lot of it had to do with Steve's family is in Florida, his, all of his immediate family. So his brothers, his mom and dad, my sister-in-law is like everybody. And so it's really important for us to be able to go back and forth to Florida as often as we can afford to. So for us, we really looked at travel cards and what would be the best one for us. And we ended up with a Southwest card, uh, Southwest credit card, because usually Southwest has cheaper flights for us to fly to Florida. And so with the point system, we could earn even more free or discounts on flights. So that was why we went that route. We also talked about, you know, what we would actually use our credit card for. And what we decided was instead of using a debit, we almost never use a debit card. We put everything on our credit card and then pay it off at the end of the month. So that way, again, we're earning points to visit his family and we're only using our credit card in emergency situations. Would we have a balance? Even though it's a credit card, we're going to pay it off every month. So we get these points and we'll only carry a balance if we absolutely have to. So that was kind of how we went through and talked about it and what made us decide how we decided. What about you? That makes sense. So mine was probably much further back in history. So when I started my current job with University of Illinois, I was a visiting professional, which meant that there were certain things I couldn't have. Like I couldn't have a travel card, even though I was expected to travel all the campuses. So what I would have to do is put everything on my own card and then request a reimbursement. So I was doing a lot of travel to Chicago. I paid for a lot of gas. I was paying for hotels, but not a lot of flights. So I just decided that if I was going to have to front the bill for all these costs, I wanted to maximize the cash back options that I was going to have. So I started shopping around for different cards that had cash back options for all kinds of purchases, not just travel and kind of which one had the highest Um, And I looked at whether or not they had certain types of fees. I looked at whether or not they had annual fees. I looked at the levels of cash back. I kind of only briefly considered like where the type of card 
was going to be accepted, right? So there's major brands of cards, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, and not all of them are accepted everywhere. So I kind of briefly considered that, but most of the places I was going to regularly accepted all of them. So that wasn't a super big factor, but I ended up going with one that had the highest cash back for gas since I was spending the most money on that at the time. And now I do the same thing as I charge pretty much everything to my card and then I pay it off every month. And then I do give myself wiggle room, like just in case I would need to carry over balance, but I haven't carried over balance in probably 10 years just because emergency funds are super important and I make sure to put a lot aside for my emergency fund. Well, and I'll, I'll be honest, Steve and I didn't carry balances for a long time. We have occasionally the last couple of months when Carissa started daycare. Oh, yeah. Daycare is very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean we just had to adjust something like that first, you know, month or two, you're like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like you just kind of have to adjust things. And I know that not everybody can pay off their credit card every month. So like you can't, that is also a reality of life and that's not bad. It's just, we're going to kind of talk about some things you should keep in mind then as you're shopping for a credit card. I for sure didn't pay mine off every single month during most of the last half of my uh, undergraduate career, it would, I carried over a balance <laughs> for several years back then. But I also was making a lot less. I, I had a lot more to deal with just in my brain, right? When you're, when you're in college. So, yep. but clearly I think there's some themes, right? We had a goal in mind, how we were going to use the card. We also understood how we were going to pay it back. There was a plan to pay it back. And then we compared different features. So like when any consumer is looking to get a new credit card, usually figuring out the goal of the credit card is pretty important. Do you want to establish credit? Do you want to get points? Do you want to have more options in case you're traveling, right? There's there's a lot of reasons why you might get a credit card or just for emergencies. And so there's different factors that you might consider. And so let's talk about some of those factors that we might consider more generally than just Nikki and I's stories. I think that sounds great. I think one of the biggest factors that we probably talked maybe briefly about was the APR, right? The annual percentage rate is the amount per year that you're going to have to pay to the credit card company. That's your interest. Your interest rate will determine how much you pay if you carry over a balance. And that's just one way that credit cards make money is the APR. But that's the easiest number to compare when you're looking at multiple cards. However, there are different types of APR. So there's fixed APR or fixed rate interest or variable interest. And that is a key descriptive factor that you want to look at when you're comparing APRs because you might have one that has an introductory rate, right, APR but then it shoots way up depending on what your credit score is. You might have a variable rate where it is connected to a particular 
piece of data. It might be a prime number, it might be an index, and that can be determined by whatever the credit card company is that's providing that card. With fixed, it usually it, it will stay the same throughout the course of your relationship with that lender who is giving you the credit card. So that's important to consider when you're looking at the different APRs. And that introductory or promotional rate might be for a certain time period. So you you might like go to your local electronics store and open up a card to buy a new TV because you know you can pay off that amount for 0% interest in 12 months or six months, right? That's an introductory rate. And then it might go up. Read the fine print to see what the standard APR actually is. So I would like to talk about reading the fine print for a second. <laughs> so I think it was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. Time in COVID is a little wonky. So it may have been more closer to like two years ago. Now, um, we actually had to buy a new HVAC system, which we were not anticipating, right? So they offered a credit card with with that, like a special credit card that had a, a special promotion for 0% APR for two years. Great. Like we were like, all right, we are going to pay this off like in two years. So, so it's not quite, it couldn't have been quite two years ago because we're not quite there yet. We did that. We signed up, et cetera. All great. However, if you read the fine print after, it says if you don't pay off your balance by the time the special promotion ends, they will charge you then the entire missed interest. So that is just something to be aware of that, you know, when people are saying, yeah, you have 0% interest for two years, I think it's completely reasonable for people to be like, oh, and then interest starts accruing on whatever my balance is at that time. No, they're going to, like in this case, they were going to charge you the all of the interest for that past two years if you didn't pay it off. So you just have to really make sure you're reading and understanding some of those promotional items because they're going to be things in the fine print that, that you want to make sure you understand. And I think there's legislation that has improved how introductory rates are disclosed to consumers on some paperwork on an ongoing basis, but like not in that case, for sure. You, you wouldn't know until you got to the end. And then they were like, hey, oh yeah, remember this fine print you signed? Here you go. You owe us several hundred dollars just in interest. Oh, it, it was going to be more than several hundred. I mean, it was <laughs> a lot because it was like, all of a sudden the APR, I think was something like 25% or 26 that's, that's big. Yeah. So it was, like, it was a lot of money. So I just wanted to share that story about why you definitely want to make sure you read the fine print, particularly around promotional interest rates. Thank you, Nikki, because I did not have a similar story like that. That is whew, off the chain. Another thing that we talked about briefly was comparing fees, right? I was looking at annual fees when I was kind of comparing options, but there are other types of fees. And Nikki, do you want to talk about the types of fees that people might want to look at and consider when they're comparing different credit card options? Absolutely. So there are a lot of fees and some of them, again, aren't, you may not realize 
your credit card has because it's buried in fine print somewhere. So we're just going to kind of talk through generally about what is possible for fees around a credit card. We're not saying every credit card has these fees, but just something to be aware of. So the first, like Andrea mentioned, is an annual fee. These can range, there's a wide range depending on what type of credit card you get, right? Like, for example, I happen to know when we were comparing travel cards, there was one card that we considered before we settled on ours that the annual fee was actually pretty high. I want to say it was something like $200, but then they got, that card got more cash back on some travel related items. However, because we're not like, we don't really travel for business, it wasn't worth it for us. Other cards may have a very small annual fee, depending, you know, if you have like a business credit card or a personal credit card, et cetera. But so just make sure that you're paying attention. Not every card has an annual fee. So something to look at. Probably the most popular fee I would say that people know about is the late payment fees. Very common. I don't know personally of any credit card company that does not charge some sort of late payment fee. And you know, again, depending on on your card, and this is why you want to look at it carefully, depends on how much that late payment is. So depending on the type of card you have, it may be really expensive. That card may decide to charge you $40 per late fee on top of, you know, your minimum balance. Some cards may run something like if you are late one time, your first late fee is a little bit smaller as kind of almost like a warning shot (laughs) before they start charging you higher amounts. So that's just something that you want to be aware of because no matter what, I mean, I've had late credit card fees as well. Like sometimes it just happens. Me too. Me too. So you you just want to be aware of how much you're going to get charged. Another one is called a cash advance fee. So this is something that people will use sometimes if they need like actual money, cash money fast. But the fees associated with that on a credit card can be very expensive. So it's something that if, if you're thinking you may be in that situation at some point, you may want to look into It's also something that if you find yourself in a situation that you did not anticipate, you really look and see if it's worth the fee in order to get this cash advance or if there's something else you can do. If you travel a lot, there are foreign transaction fees. So depending on how much you travel and where you travel to, this may be something that's very important to you. Or if you don't really travel overseas or to another country or, or wherever, it may not be as important to you. But basically, it's a fee that is applied to every time you swipe your card in another country. Usually, this can be somewhere around 3%. Again, it depends on your credit card. 3% per transaction. So it's not just like the first time you swipe in another country. It's every time you swipe your card that you're traveling. So uh, yeah, it's a lot. So if you are someone who loves to travel, one of my close friends, his partner is works for United. So he flies for free everywhere. And so he travels a lot. And like, that's something that he does pay attention to, I know, because he is frequently all over the place. So to swipe your card all the time, it adds up real quick. So just something to be aware of. There is something called over the limit fee. So first, Andrea, real quick, do you want to maybe tell us what a credit limit on a credit card is before I go into this fee? 
Yeah, so credit limits are usually like how much that you can borrow from the company. And it's based on a combination of like your credit worthiness, your scores, and your income. So you can also ask your credit card company to either increase this, like if you've gotten a raise or something, or you've gotten six or so months of on-time payments, so you're a little more trustworthy, or you can also decrease it. My credit card companies like to just keep giving me more of a credit limit, a higher credit limit, and to entice me to buy more things, and maybe I'll carry a balance over They have not been successful yet. And typically I want them to keep it at a certain level because if I would go try to get a loan, for instance, any available credit could be used. And so a new lender might look at that and say, well, like you're not using a lot of your credit right now, but you could like go buy this house and then go max out all your credit cards and then we're at a risk. So that's one reason to consider maybe decreasing your credit limit or keeping a low credit limit if you're trying to establish credit to buy something bigger later or you're going trying to get a different type of loan in the future. So those are things that are to consider when you're looking at credit limits. It's not just about like, how much can I get for free? How much can my credit, how high can my credit limit be so that my utilization ratio is low so it looks good on scores? There are different reasons why you want to keep credit limits at certain places. Hopefully that helps. (laughs) Yes, I think so. So then to go back to fees, so if over the limit fee means that let's say you know you're you're close to your your credit card limit, right? Let's just say it's a thousand dollars and you have nine hundred and fifty dollars on a thousand dollar credit limit. You thought your payment went through right? Like you had it on auto pay or something. And then you swipe your card and you end up spending $60. Now you're $10 over your credit limit. It can happen. So what that means is your credit card will then charge you a fee for going like that $10 over. It could be even as little as a dollar over. Anytime you go over that fee, that's just something you, you want to be aware of about what your credit card would do. Hopefully you would never be in that situation, right? I feel like personally, a lot of this could happen if you have your credit card payments like set on auto pay, it can happen. So just something else to be aware of to check. Well, and that might be a feature of your credit card, right? Not all credit cards may offer an over the limit option. They may just be like, your credit card is denied. Right. Exactly. Yes. It's not a feature of every card. Great point, Andrea. So, so it, it just, if that's something that you would want, make sure you're looking into that. The last fee we'll talk about today is called the return payment fee. Let's say, here's an example of how this, this can, can happen. Let's say you have a regular scheduled monthly payment of $500. And when the payment hits and it goes to pull to pay, you only have $450 in your account. So that means when the pay hits, you'll actually be charged more money because there wasn't enough money in your account to pay your bill. So that's called a return payment fee because they're returning, they have to like deny or return your charge. Yes. So that's just another thing to be aware, aware of when you're shopping around. For For those in the financial services industry, This could also be called an NSF fee, and you could get it on both the 
credit card company side, as well as at your bank. If you don't have enough money to make financial transactions in your account, you could get fees from both where you're trying to send money and where the money is supposed to be coming out. That's why monitoring our accounts is so important sometimes. Completely agree with that. And, and it's good and bad, right? With like fintech always expanding, everything's done online. You could set a lot of this stuff on auto pay, auto debit, auto, you know, that like sometimes you're just like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> so it is just something that to be aware of. Another thing that I think we wanted to talk about is the fact that how credit card inquiries can impact your credit history and your credit worthiness. So most consumers have heard of probably a soft inquiry or a hard inquiry. Soft inquiries usually are for used for pre-approvals. It's not usually when a consumer is seeking out credit themselves. It's usually when a business or a credit card companies like We want to run the credit of multiple people and then provide offers to them. So it doesn't impact your credit worthiness. And that's what it looks like on your credit history. Whereas hard inquiries typically are from a consumer actively seeking out and getting credit, getting a loan, getting a credit card, signing leases sometimes. Sometimes employment will be run as a hard inquiry, not always, but those do impact your credit worthiness because you're actively seeking to build a relationship with a business. What we have noticed is that some credit card companies are now saying that they'll process your approval for a credit card without it impacting your credit history. So what this says to me is they're they're going to process it as a pre-approval to see if you would qualify and then process it. So it would it would be like a soft inquiry. But when you're like looking at credit cards and that's a factor maybe in whether or not you apply, just read the fine print to see how they're actually processing it and maybe pulling the credit yourself afterwards, maybe a month or two afterwards to see how it looks on your credit report. So that's just something to keep in mind too, because the, like Nikki said, the fintech industry is changing the way credit card companies are approaching. Marketing is also changing and also how they approach just generally having relationships with consumers can also change because people are more aware of like the impact that seeking out credit and applying for credit cards has on their credit worthiness and long-term options for lending. Yes. Very good points, Andrea. A few more things about just kind of specialized credit cards, if that's something that's important to you. I mentioned that my husband and I's main goal is to find a good travel card for us to go see his family. There are lots and lots of different credit cards out there that do other things as well. So it's something that you would want to kind of look at. There's some that do really good cash back options. Some are just cash back on all transactions. Others, credit cards may have different enrollment periods where it's like you get extra cash back if you spend it at grocery stores this month or extra cash back at gas stations this month, right? There's also, I, I didn't even know this existed until my friend told me about her credit card. She has a Verizon credit card. And for her, what her and her husband do is they use that credit card. And then as it builds points, they use those to just pay their phone bill. 
that was something I, I didn't even, I was like, I don't even know that Verizon has a credit card, <laughs> um, personally. And then uh, I, I also know my, another one of my friends used, who had two young kids, both in diapers at, at one point, she had a Amazon credit card and they used the Amazon credit card a lot and then just would roll it over to buy diapers, like their points. So again, it's, it's really based on if you want to see what type of extra perks and things like that a credit card may have, shop around and really think about what your need is because you could probably find one that aligns with your, your goals that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd even heard of a few credit cards that were allowing you to use your points to pay your student loan debt. I have not heard that. Yeah. It was several years ago, but it was an interesting way to use points. And so if, if you're not spending more right through your credit card in order to earn points, to reach these goals, then it can be a good way to use your regular spending transactions to give you a benefit towards reaching goals like debt repayment or diapers or cell phone bill payments. That's actually a really good point, Andrea, that I think we need to stress. We're not sitting here saying, hey, get this credit card and rack up some a whole bunch of credit card debt, <laughs> right? <laughs> to earn these points. That's actually the opposite of what we're saying. I want you to think of a credit card is like a small loan every time you use it. So when you use it, you don't pay it off. You're going to be paying high interest on that. Just like Andrew was talking about APR, right? No matter what, your credit card is going to have some sort of APR. You have to really make sure if you're looking for different incentives that you're not getting yourself into a hole because then it doesn't matter what incentives the card has. It's not actually saving you any money in the long run because you're not paying it off each month or the majority of months, right? Right. So that's something that you'll really want to check and see. And sometimes, right? Like that's how different scams happen. Something sounds too good to be true and it is. So just make sure that you're really doing your research and looking at your own budget and how you will use that credit card and pay it off. Well, and I think on on the opposite side, right, we're talking about leveraging points and leveraging the benefits of credit cards to accomplish goals. If the goal of the credit card is is an emergency fund, let's say that you have different options to deal with your busted windshield and insurance is going to cover the windshield. You could use emergency savings, which is going to be the cheapest of the cheap options, but not everybody has a sizable enough emergency fund to cover something like that. You could use a credit card, which might have high interest, or you could use like a payday loan. Payday loan is going to be way, way, way more expensive than a credit card. So then if the goal is like dealing with emergencies, that's a cheaper option than what some of the other financial tool options are out there if you don't have savings. So just think logically about how you're going to use it, what the goal is for your credit card, 
and then how to manage any costs that are associated with the credit card so that you aren't stuck in a hole, like Nikki said, and carrying over balance repeatedly. And if if you are in a situation where you're doing a lot of balance transfers and paying one credit card off with another credit card, those are big red flags that can cause you a lot of heartache, financial heartache long-term. So finding ways to get out of those kind of situations might be where you need to direct your attention. Excellent points, Andrea, as always. Thank you. Um, I did kind of mention briefly scams that could happen with credit cards. So we just wanted to also make sure everyone knew that as consumers, you are legally entitled to certain protection when it comes to your credit cards. So in 2009, the Credit Card Act was passed, and this actually increased protections for consumers. So some of the protections that it extended were, it ended what was called late fee traps. And so what that has to do with is back then, it got rid of things like weekend deadlines, changing due dates, deadlines that fall in the middle of a day, right? Like you have to pay this by noon instead of just by the end of the day. (laughs) With the passage of that act now, several years ago, right? Like personally, I didn't even know some of this stuff existed because in 2009, I think I was just getting used to my own finances at that point. (laughs) So, so it got rid of, of all of those late fee traps. It also enforced fair interest calculator. So you may seem that see that now on your credit card statement, it does have a little box there and it says like, here's your interest. If you only pay the minimum balance, this is how much you'll end up paying. So it kind of lays out so you can see. Yeah, it's a disclosure statement yeah. basically on your bank statement. Just so all of our listeners know, if you if you monitor your credit card activity on a mobile device, it doesn't require the same disclosure as like a PDF version of your bank statement or not bank statement, credit card statement or the mailed copy of your credit card statement. This law only impacted kind of that paper equivalent of a credit card statement, not your account activity on a mobile device or sometimes even on a, on a website, you might have to look at that disclosure grid on the PDF version of the credit card statement. Another thing it did was restrict unfair subprime fees. So if when somebody would check your credit score, you were deemed subprime, sometimes they would attach additional fees in order to get this credit card. So it got rid of that. It also banned retroactive rate increases, which is bananas to me when you really think it about it. It seems unfathomable. Like, <laughs> how, how were they able to do that until 2009? I don't know. Uh, the other thing that is interesting is it has what's called a first-year protection. And this means that your contract terms of your credit card must be clearly laid out and it must be stable for the first year. To let you like establish your relationship with this company. It also, this credit card act of 2009 also banned marketing on college campuses of credit cards. Prior to this 2009 credit card act, college campuses just were rife with tables of 
credit card companies saying, hey, you sign over this credit card, we'll give you a piece of pizza, which is almost predatory when you're talking to very hungry, (laughs) tired college students. And then you'd have college students with all these different types of credit cards. And that became a big risk. There's also, because of that act, a lot more credit card companies were required to look at proof of of repayment, right? Or getting a co-signer if you were under the age of 21, I believe. So, you know, those were protections put in place for young people because they were being preyed upon by credit card companies prior to this act being implemented. I actually remember because I went to college pre-2009 and I went to University of Illinois and I remember there being like, you know, tables set up, like you said, sign up for this and you get a free t-shirt, which, you know, free food, but I would do a lot for free t-shirts. Yeah. Run a 5k. So no, but like they, they did used to have, I, I just, I distinctly remember as you were talking, I, I distinctly remember being on campus and seeing that. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. And there, there's also something that's called an adverse action letter that you are entitled to. So what that means is if you are denied credit, people can't just deny you credit and be like, see ya and not tell you why you have, they have to let you know why you were denied credit. And if you ever have any complaints with a credit card company, are confused with something about a credit card company, feel like maybe you were scammed, whatever it might be, you can contact the Consumer Financial Bureau or the CFPB. We mentioned a lot on this podcast. And you can reach them at www.consumerfinance.gov slash complaint or call toll free at 855 729 CFPB. Thank you, Nikki. We'll make sure to put that link in the show notes in case anybody needs to complain about their credit card companies doing some some bad stuff. But we want to thank you all for joining us today. And hopefully we've cleared up some questions about credit cards, provided some new information about legislation that exists to protect consumers regarding credit cards, and maybe just some fun insights about how to approach credit card comparisons in the future. And please make sure to join us next time. And we're going to be talking about something that Andrea recently has a lot of personal experience with, (laughs) buying large appliances. So I'm sure she will fill you in on her fun. (laughs) It also ties into our credit card discussion as well. So we will continue this a little bit next episode where we, but we'll focus on buying large appliances things to look for, what kind of steps to do. And as always, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you.